You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Abuka. This is Murps. Hello. Um, all right. Another week. Another Another week. I don't know. There's not like huge news. Uh, There's huge week. news this week in the arena. Ridiculously huge news because we have a new number one. We were talking about Warlocks for two weeks straight because they were number one. But guess what? As of this second, Warlock is not number one in the arena by HS Replay. Win rates, the new king is Hunter. Now, you may be wondering, Hunter wasn't really very good when they did the offering odds adjustments. What has changed? And the answer is not much at all, except for the meta. The meta has shifted so much that Warrior, which jumped out to number one when the changes were first made for like a day, is now number four, and Warlock is like pretty much tied for number one, but like 0.2% below Hunter right now uh, for number one, and Hunter is actually number one. So... There's something happening in the meta right now. People are figuring it out more. The meta is developing. Um, We got another 12-win run. That'll come to you sometime next week. Uh, And and we could talk a little bit about that and what that, like, kind of, like, taught us about the meta. But um, first, I just think it's interesting because this doesn't usually happen in a Hearthstone meta. We rarely see in Arena... A class move from like the number four or number five spot to the number one spot without anything happening. So, 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 like, what is happening here? A- any theories, Murps? Yeah, so look, part of the reason why this is so rare is that um, without buckets, it's really hard for you to draft away from a- a- and to pick a strategy right when buckets were here part of the reason why i liked playing aggro and i was like oh you guys should all play aggro um was because you can extract a decent amount of value because you had the bucket system and now it is harder to do that but at a certain point we've been talking about for weeks it is you know uh a combo meta it is a parrot meta we've been like you know draft the parrots right draft the mage Mm -hmm. parrot draft the shaman parrot you are going to be able to hold this you are going to be able to extract value of it and that's true at a certain point though like okay the first week of let's if we call it like the parrot meta uh you you as in a hypothetical you might not pick like the third parrot you're like well i could really use this two drop um but then as you face more and more people and you're just like oh man i'm getting outvalued the next draft, you pick the third parrot. And then somebody who wants to beat you picks the fourth parrot, so on and so forth. And it does get to a point where they pass a two drop for a parrot. They passed the, uh, you know, the, the unassuming three mana three four for mm-hmm. another combo piece, right? Uh, in order to get some would-be dragon synergy. It does get to a point where uh, in this arms race of I got to outvalue and I got to outcombo other people, there is a space now for these people who give up some value or some potential and then just... Some significant value. Yeah, some significant value. Um, and, and you know, this, this does happen and uh, we are seeing the effect of it. People are punishing these players who are like, okay, I'm going to beat the three parrot guy with the with my four parrots and the four parrot guy is running around and some guy's like oh you won't expect my six parrots <laughs> and then that's where you with your mecharoo comes in and you're like i'm gonna beat you with this mecharoo <laughs> mm-hmm. that's essentially it yeah and the cycle has happened and uh, it, it is actually happening i'm very surprised by this by the way this is something that was nowhere on my radar when they did the offering odds adjustment and when we were in the meta it wasn't that tempo can't win it's that the consistency is low you can't draft two aggro and that's because it couldn't win at the time right like merps was saying but now it can win the meta has shifted maybe by just a turn or so but that turn is very important and it's not the aggro decks that are necessarily winning. The hunters aren't like super aggro. But one thing Hunter does really well is with Bloodseeker. 
and also whatever that new um, three mana removal is that deals six damage. I thought it only dealt five. If that deal three, then two, then one random damage, I totally didn't think it was going to go down to one damage. That's crazy. Uh, like, just from reading the card, I did not get that. But that's that's what the card does. And so Hunter has these two really, really common and really, really good uh, tempo uh, moves in their, in their arsenal. Um, and they can just keep pushing an advantage, any advantage. And Hunters, more than any other class, can follow up an advantage. Because what do you do against any class if you're trying to hold your parrots? You remove what they put out, right? You know, you can't take that much face damage. But you wipe the board, you do single target removals if the thing has too much attack, you put out taunts, um, you know, maybe you do a little healing, but not that much healing. There's not that much healing in the meta um, outside of some crazy cards. Uh, so when that's not enough against a hunter, if you don't have the exact right cards at the exact right time very, very early on for low mana cost, the hunter gets some face damage on you, and then the hunter can just win from there because the parrots are not just slow to get the combo off, but they're also, like, just really slow to play and kill you. It's not like you play the parrot and all of a sudden you have a board of 10-10s. Ten you, you play the parrot and it flame strikes the board again. Like, that may be very, very good when you're facing another control deck or even a, a slower mid-range deck, but against a, a regular mid-range deck or a faster mid-range deck, Against a faster mid-range deck, your second flame strike is completely worthless. Against a regular mid-range deck and a hunter, your second flame strike also is pretty worthless because they're probably going to win at that point. So, this is the effect that's been happening, and these hunters are are squeezing out some good wins. Um, hunter, we always say this about hunter. If it's if the hunters aren't being actual control hunters, and hunters are not playing as actual control hunters right now, they're playing as mid-range hunters. They're not aggro either, but they're generally mid-range. Um, it means that people are not playing them right. Because people never play Hunter right. It's it's just a different way of thinking, and people are very not used to it. So Hunter's true win rate is probably even higher than that. Um, we took 108 wins that like we thought was going to go 7, but then it started 2-2. Two, two. I don't know. Uh, there's still a lot of variance in the meta. But Hunters are, are, are legit. And that brings me to uh, the second thing, which is not just that Hunters are legit... But Hunters are especially legit, and all classes have legit tempo options now. That regular, normal, mid-range deck that we've been hating on for, like, the last three months, if not longer. Like, probably softer hate earlier, but, like, definitely for the last three months. We've been like, this doesn't work. Please don't do this. Like, just get enough stuff so you have ways to use your mana, but, like, don't expect the mid-range to do stuff. It's doing things now. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that with, um, you, you know what, you really can't compare the changes that we have seen recently with the quote micro adjust that we have seen for years and years under like Tian Ding, which uh let's be honest got more and more uh drastic right mm -hmm. the changes got more uh bigger and bigger it was changes piled on top of changes such that a lot of times there were confusing changes that i, I don't know if anybody understood them really um and it created a situation in which uh it's hard to fight against the meta right and you don't really see this meta shift that you see that you're supposed to see in card games yes. right you yes. it's a card game you should see meta shifts you see it in something like standard but that's very easy but you should also see it in arena and if you don't see it like never like if you never see it anymore that kind of means that there is too strong of a force uh, mm -hmm. that is preventing it from being changed. And that's not great. You want players to be able to have an effect. You want this to happen. So yes. another you know, checkmark or plus to the changes that Matt London and team have been doing, this is a good thing. The ability for players mm -hmm. to shift to recognize when other players are getting a little bit too greedy and then react to it uh and you'll see you know good players tweet about it um i know like cole's tweeted about it like uh um, yeah 
Uh, he was doing very Kos well. Kos was the Nintendo. first that I heard from uh, about this temple thing from, and I was like, "Kos, you're crazy." And then, uh, and then I got in uh, the meta um, on Friday because I hadn't played in a week. Um, and I mean, he thought that it was a it was moving towards temple pretty like early on, but um, I generally only play Fridays right now. So when I was playing before on Friday, I didn't really get that big of a sense of it. But this Friday. Uh, two days ago, it was full out and full force. We had a Demon Hunter deck that I did not draft for Tempo. Um, we had a Ysera, a Deathwing, and a Phelan, and then a whole bunch of Excavates. Like, I knew my game plan. My game plan was not Tempo. So... But the Ysera did nothing except win one game. The Deathwing literally did nothing except lost us a game. And the Phelan uh, was good for, like, a decent number of games, but the vast majority of games we won... Just doing normal tempo demon hunter stuff. Now we had a good rest of the deck too. I'm not saying like, oh, take an average deck, get 12 wins, right? Like the deck went 12. Um, but it was really surprising to me that I didn't need any of these really good cards. And this deck would have legit gone like eight wins at least. And that would, would like, I would never have predicted if I didn't have those like anchoring big ridiculous cards. And those big ridiculous cards ended up having no effect. Like, I wish I didn't have a Deathwing and didn't have a Yazera, right? Yep. I mean, look, I don't know the deck, but it, it, sure, yes, Yasera sucks. Uh, continuing <laughs> for, on... For the record, on the Yasera sucks thing, I only picked Yasera because it was up against Flightmaster and a 5-mana 4-4. So. But if Matt London and team are looking at this... I hope that they, number one, recognize how important this is. And number two, whatever they did, because we can only guess, right? Like, we can only guess, and we can see a lot of the the things that are represented on HS Replay. Let's face it, uh, HS Replay isn't perfect. We'll mm -hmm. never get the full extent of what they did. I hope that, number one, they see this shift and they're like, Yes, this is what we want. And number two, they're able to extract and identify the essence of what made this happen. And number three, this is going beyond a little bit. If they're looking back in history, they're like, this stuff doesn't happen in Arena. What did the previous micro-adjust regime do that was too much or too little such that it prevented this and what what are we doing, uh, like in comparison to that? And how can we keep this going on? Because I think this, at the heart of it, is something that appeals to casual players somewhat. But it's something not easy, but something that like hardcore players love, yes. right? Hardcore players love figuring stuff out, being one step ahead of the meta. Um, there are some things that like players care about that takes away from another segment of players there are some gameplay aspects and we've talked about this before if you are really catering to the casuals you are hurting the feel of the game for hardcore players and vice versa as well so um you don't want that this though this ability for the meta to change this ability for people to think one step ahead see where the meta is heading and then react have the ability to react accordingly uh and then get rewarded for it get like uh, a ton of wins because they figured something out ahead of time uh that benefits everybody like mm -hmm. you know the casual players are, are fine with it right they still get their fun cards or whatever uh, and for the hardcore players, this is just like the ultimate carrot in front of them. Mm -hmm. uh, if if they know it's possible, because let's face it, for many years it just it wasn't possible. It was like okay, I I just have to play optimally. Like like I have to identify what is optimal, the optimal classes, uh, all of this stuff. I have to memorize what is the optimal play for each turn and what can come out that is the skill expression there and this whole like oh how do i like undercut the meta how do i beat the meta there was no beating the meta it's like right. how do i play the best class to the best of my abilities and eke out those percentages once again obviously skill testing in every single meta but when you take away this other skill it definitely takes away the appeal of the entire game mode from players and now that it is back for this meta and potentially will continue on uh very very exciting 
And, and the we like Merv's talked about the extracting the essence of it, right, and why it's exciting. But what 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 is the essence of it, right? What what actually happened in the latest uh, adjustments that made it this possible? I would argue that this is the sign of an actual well-balanced meta at the top, at least, where there's enough diversity at the top that these kind of shifts can happen. And when you bring a lot of different styles to close enough in power level that this will naturally happen. And we just have almost never seen it before in the past that it was a surprise to all of us, except Coast, that we weren't like looking for it. And um, uh, I think two weeks ago, we said that the Warlock offering rates were were super commons in addition to some of the other ones. I think looking back on that, that that was probably just a HS replay stat because HS replay tells you how many they see. They don't tell you how much per the class they see. So I think it was like an unprecedented shift of all players playing Warlock four times as much as they used to. Which I, 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 I think I just looked at that and I did not consider that that was an option. That a, middle, a previously middling class becoming kind of the number one class will get four times the amount of players. That does not usually happen in, uh, when the meta turns. Like you at most double, for a middling class at most doubles its player size. Um, but lo looking at the, the comparison, it seems like it was actually all the Warlock cards that moved up. Um, so Warlock probably either wasn't adjusted, like is what, uh, is what I, I think probably happened now. And that fits with what the actual patch note said. So I thought there was something that was going on the patch notes didn't say, but then I, I think we were just wrong about that. Anyway, so the meta, I think it's the closest it's become to being balanced. Um, in a in a close range, and there's two ways for a, uh, for a meta to be balanced, right? It's rock paper scissors, or it's everything flexible. And everything flexible is obviously the preferred way because then players can put their fingers on the thumb and then move their decks around. If it's just rock paper scissors, then you kind of have these buckets you fall into, right? Like if you are a priest, you have to be super control. If you are a hunter, you have to be super aggressive. And then you know if you're and then if you're a warlock, you have to be mid range. Let's just say that that's what the meta happened to be because those are super overpowered cards all stacked up in one thing. Well, if that were the case, that's still not a good meta, even though it's a quote unquote dynamic meta, because then all the priests are going to beat the 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 warlocks, and all the warlocks are going to beat the hunters, and all the hunters are going to beat the priests, right? Who that's not a good meta. But that's not what this meta is, because in this meta. All the classes, including mage, can go more mid-range. It's not that mages have so much, and this is what happens when you lower the power level of cards, right? The lowering of neutrals really helped this, but also the nerfing of the class card offering rates of the top cards. You have more of this, like, closing of the range of these, like, top cards so that there's more room for the player to put the thumb on the scale. Like, if I get offered a runes, I have to take the runes, right? Like, that's just... I have to take the runes. If I don't have, like, three nine drops, I have to take the runes. Well, if you get see less runes, and you see more of other cards where I could be like, oh, maybe I don't take that I, because I'm trying to shift my deck more towards mid-range. I have too many big cards. Then you have a dynamic draft where I can make my mage mid-range, I can make it very combo-y, I could just make it like attrition rather than combo. Um, I can maybe do control, depending on what cards I get. Like, I have different ways to do it. And at every stage of the draft, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do, where the deck is going, and it could go in a, different, a lot of different directions. I faced up against hunters in this meta that were straight up control. And I faced up against hunters in this meta that were super aggro. Hunters have a huge range right now, and that is one of its benefits. I think mid-range is the strongest, but if your draft is pushing you towards aggro, you can do it, and you can have success. If your draft is pushing yourself towards control, hunters have some, like, ridiculous cards. So if your draft is pushing you towards that control style, well, like, you can, you can do it. Like, it's just... It's good to see that a lot of these classes, not, not every class, but I don't know that you're ever going to get every class, but a lot of these classes right now in the top or mid of the meta can go many, many different ways. Like, we built our Demon Hunter, which is not even a top class, but, you know, legendary uh, neutral cards kind of swayed it. But we built our Demon Hunter to really be a combo, not a combo, like a big bomb, just a good deck, right? Like, survive till X, survive till turn 10 kind of deck. Um, and it turns out that the deck would have been very successful just as a regular tempo, push-to-tempo deck. 
Um, and that speaks to the versatility of, uh, of Demon Hunter as well. And Demon Hunter right now is the second worst class by win rate. Priest is still... I don't know what happened with Priest. It's still below 40%. Uh, but Demon Hunter, Shaman, and Rogue are all around 45%, which is not good. But if you ever drafted a Rogue or a, a Shaman, you know they are very flexible. You can draft them in a different variety of styles. On average, they may not be so good because, you know, they nerf Demon and Rogue pretty hard. Uh, sorry, they nerf Shaman and Rogue pretty hard. But at least you have the variety when you're drafting it. And that's what creates the dynamic meta. Because it means 100% of the player base, we're very close to it, can shift whatever draft they're in towards where it's going and where they want it to go based on their perception of the meta. Yep. So look, uh, no actual news this week, but this is a pretty exciting development. This is mm -hmm. more change than I thought we would see. Uh, and once again, another kind of, I don't know, if you don't want to call it a win, at least a good development for the current modes team. Um, they, they've also, you know, like they continue to communicate well. Um... I think that this is... Oh, there was also, like, this infographic before from... I think it was... I forget if it was HS Replay or Firestone or whatever. Uh, and, like, Arena is, like, the number three most played game mode other than uh, Standard and BGs now. Like, you know, for a while, Duels was beating it. Ha, <laughs> Duels. Yeah. Uh, but Arena is... You know, look, it's still a blip, right? On that chart, if you look at it, it's still a blip. Hey, it means it's being played more than Mercenaries. I don't know what they're doing with Mercenaries. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what they're doing what with Mercenaries. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, I know the director of it like quit right before like release and whatever, but like, the, what's the new director doing? Does it take them like literally nine months to like get something together? And if so, it's been nine months since you took over. Like, or at least since the other person left. I don't know if they're switching internal directors or something as well. Let's just, oh my god. Mercenaries, it's, it, um, look, Mercenaries is a good concept at its core, I think. And I believe that Blizzard can save it. Um, but so far they've done nothing to even attempt to save it. Which means that it has not been their plan to save it. Well, uh, my question is, uh, does it need to be saved? Like, for the casual people right for the casual mobile players who maybe just get on and play some mercs like you know well, but the they don't I, I don't think they do i i i don't i don't know but like because that's my question right like that chart it's like oh this is like the firestone or hs yeah, replay data i'm cool. like i i i don't think that these are the the mercs players you know i don't think this is the heart of mercs players mm -hmm. um so maybe like yeah. maybe they're doing a lot better and like you know the people that are downloading uh it, especially if you're downloading that like uh they, there's no phone apps for like hs replay no, yeah no. so yeah, if it, you're playing it, on your phone you're not gonna be tracked on any kind of data besides blizzes so maybe they don't need help maybe i don't know i really don't know yeah um so yeah i mean maybe there's no problem but at least like they're not trying to make it a thing that hardcore players would even consider um, no no um, and not even hardcore players like just 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 people who want to like do stuff like i don't know mercenaries has been uh, um i remember i remember this very clearly i don't know I mean, it could be coast again if it's not coast with someone else i'm sorry if uh if it's not you coast or uh and i forgot the other person's name but it was some arena streamer uh that was on the the subreddit uh, also commenting and people were trying to predict this was i think december so it was like a month month and a half after release and they were trying to predict when blizzard will take action and do something with all the excess coins that get built up necessarily like you don't even have to be a hardcore player even casual players will just have a ridiculous buildup of uh, uh, of coins for specific mercs that are like really low uh, rarity that they just have no use for whatsoever. They can't be converted into anything. They can't do anything. They just pile up. Um, and I think this other streamer, I'm going to call him Coast. It may not be Coast. Um, <laughs> 
other streamers said like, uh, it's gonna be like definitely within three months. That's that they're gonna get their shit together, and this is what's gonna happen. And I remember people on Reddit being like, we want this tomorrow. It should be here in a week. How long does it take to do this? And meanwhile, I'm sitting here with my dev hat on, like, is literally impossible to be in two weeks or even one month. Three months is extremely aggressive. I'm gonna bet by the end of June. Well, it's the end of June. And I don't think it's happening. Yeah. So even by my very conservative, I have understanding of what it's like to be in a dev. I've been in that situation, like, you know, uh, uh, on, on the dev side. I know how long it takes things to move, especially things that were unplanned. And the dev's priorities are not the same as the hardcore community or even the not hardcore community's priorities. And Blizzard's a big organization with a lot of blah, 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 blah. But even on my conservative estimate, then they're, they're not going to hit that mark. So I don't know what's happening with mercenaries, but only bad things. It's um, weird because this is uh this should be a core like it is. It thing about the game. Like this yeah. is exactly about how your resources go. Like and mm-hmm. that it's that you know like time versus reward kind of thing. And rewards are only rewards if you can do stuff with them, right? Yep. Uh, so, it, it, very, very, very strange. Yeah. Really, really strange. And, and I'm not even talking from a PvP perspective on what the meta is or whether it's exciting or not. I thought that game was always going to have a little bit of an iffy of a PvP just because of how it's structured. But just even on the like the normal casual player side, like it's... Ah, I don't know what's happening. Anyways. Anyways. Um, good, good job, Arena team. Um, um, I'm excited for all the updates now. Like the speed of this one was good. The results were good. Uh, we were wrong about the results, so we were like, I mean, we we're generally supportive of the team, but uh, we thought this was going in a very wrong direction. It turned out that this was just not the case. This is actually a better than good direction. Um, now. Are all the problems in Arena solved? No, obviously Discover's still everywhere. Colossals are still everywhere. Um, you're still in a meta, right, where you're going to potentially lose the game to whatever bullshit that's happening at a way more frequent than we would like. But the directions are all good in terms of what the adjustments are happening. Like, what are they going to do? Ban Colossals? Like, maybe, but really they should ban, like, Phelan. I see more Colossals from Phelan than actual Colossals. Um... So, I don't know. Like, there's there's bigger work to be done to make Arena, like, close to the ideal. But compared to where this was three months ago, Arena is in such a brighter place right now. Just, like, with what is happening. Like, on the ground. Even if you don't know anything, I don't care about communication or anything like that. Like, I just... The meta is shifting. This is like when the scientists like see something happening and they're like, oh my god, it's, it's adapting. Um, like it's learning. Like it's just kind of an exciting moment, right? Because uh, the conditions have to be just right for it to happen. The player base has to be like kind of engaged enough for it to happen. And both things are happening. Um, so I don't know if they're going to make another adjustment before the next expansion comes out. I hope they do, uh, even though the win rates aren't that bad right now, actually. Uh, Hunter's at uh, 53, Warlock's at 53, Mage and Warrior at 51, Paladin's at 50, Druid uh, 48.5, and then we talk about Rogue Shaman and Demon Hunter at 45. Um, so it's not, like, terrible, especially at the top, which is what you care about more, but they can narrow it more, right? Like, use the soft touch. Um, and we have a month to go, at least, until the next expansion, which they teased. Uh, they, they actually tweeted out something and teased the next expansion. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll come uh, quicker than that. But I'm, I'm still thinking early August like they usually do. Yep. Sounds good. All right. That's our Hearthstone coverage. Question from the GOAT. It is now three weeks since Diablo Immortal launched. I know that you, Murbs, have played like 200 hours of this game already, uh, doing exactly what Blizzard does not want you to do. I have put in more than 120, maybe... I don't know if I put in 150, but I put in more than 120 hours uh, into, into this game. We have played this game a lot, and we were one of the few people to step out at the launch of the game and defend the game against its critiques. And, you know, there's I was just talking um, 
to Nordoge, one of our uh, longtime uh, viewers and uh, goats, contributing goats, question from the goats and subs. Uh, and uh, Nordoge was like, yeah, so I started picking up the game uh, because you guys were talking about it. And it's been really good so far. Like, I had all the negative publicity turned me off, but this is like like a really good game right now. Like, you know? Uh, and I'm like, yeah, because it is. It's just kind of like, you don't have to spend any money. It's just kind of a really good game for, for a mobile game um, if you're playing on mobile. And, and we really wanted to like uh, get that out there from everything else. But it's been three weeks. And a question from the GOAT. What do you wish was better about Diablo Immortal? Which are the either your own critiques or the correct critiques that we hear about Diablo Immortal? All right. So look, th this isn't going to... I don't want this to go on for too long. Um, one thing that I think e literally everyone can agree with is for a mobile game... You know, mobile is also on PC. But for a game in which... You know, this isn't sort of like a title that has a single-player mode and you're like, oh, that was a good story and that's all I expect out of it. For a, for a game that has like a big player base, that has like guilds and clans and all end-game content, we have had nothing in terms of what's next for communication Zero in about roadmap. a month. Zero roadmap. That's they had a roadmap to launch and then they had no roadmaps after that. that Never. not good. Never seen that. Never ever seen that to a launch of a mobile game. Ever. Yeah. So, because, uh, you know, we can call it a mobile game. Let's just call it what it is. And, like, you know, I, look, I'm, I'm not going to... I don't think it's an MMO in the traditional sense. But, like, what, they're, what they want to do with it and how the game is yeah. structured... Yeah, no, they're, they're pitching it as an MMO. They're pitching That's the it description. as an MMO. That's their, like, one-line tag. So... If they're pitching as an MMO, one thing about MMO is like there always has to be events. There always has to be something coming up to make it dynamic, to make it different, mm -hmm. because it is not a single player AAA title in which you play it, you feel good about it, and you are you feel good that it has ended. You feel good mm -hmm. that you have exhausted all of the content, right? Like, um, yeah, and this is not one of those games, so. That, to me, is completely unacceptable that we have gone a month. Like, I would say, okay, you know, the first week, obviously, just let people enjoy the game. Uh, the second week, okay, yeah. but you should no, probably, you after, like, the second week, tell people what's going on and what events they should expect. Uh, we're, we're just about a month in, uh, so this is completely unacceptable now. Yeah. Yeah, we're three and a half weeks in from uh, from launch time. Now, a lot of speculation is that this game has not launched in Asia yet. Asia launch is happening July 7th. Um, China may or may not happen at all. And it's entirely possible. There's all those like theories and whatever with literally zero proof. I looked into it about like Xi Jinping getting involved or like criticizing the CCP. But that's just people drumming up drama. Um, this was always a hard sell in China. China's had a big crackdown on video games in the last few years. You might have heard about the face scans and the restrictions on minors uh, playing more than like one hour a week or some shit like that. Um, like, it's circumventable, but like, they force developers to do all this stuff. And on top of that, Diablo itself is always a hard sell because it's about like satanic rituals and things, and China really hates cults. If China doesn't into, even like skeletons. Yeah, yeah no, it's, just, it's terrible. Like, it's, a, it's superstitious, and then the, the CCP really hates cults. Like, look at, like, the Falun Gong. Like, Google Falun Gong and, uh, and what happened. Like, that's just... This is not, like... Like, people talk about Uyghurs and, like, you know, all those whatever stuff. But, like, the CCP just really doesn't hate groups that organize against CCP and potentially challenge their power. Because they're ruling, right? That's, like, what they do. And cults are, like, a big thing. So you may think, like, oh, Diablo, a cult, the occult. What? It's just a game. But, like, this is the kind of stuff, this is the exact kind of stuff that China overreacts to. Quite consistent. They don't want it in people's minds. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, even if they're like, oh, it's a demonic cult and Diablo fights against it, it doesn't matter. It's like yeah. it is depicting the existence of a cult. They it's just making it cool and fun. Yeah, it's cool and fun to be part of a cult or something. I don't know. It's cool and fun yeah. to... I, I have no idea. Look, they... Mm -hmm. 
they get quite sensitive about this stuff. But yeah, it could not. Yeah, it could not release, release in China at all, or it could be delayed a long time, right? Like we're talking years. And but regardless. Uh, and so there's speculation that some of this either delay or just waiting for the rest of Asia, um, especially like uh, Korea, Japan, Southeast Asia, uh, to kind of like get online, um, that that's delaying the events. But for the rest of the world who's been in this game for three weeks, this is weird. This is just a weird thing to do. Like if you have ever played an MMO or a mobile game or a mobile MMO as Diablo Immortal is pitched out, this is weird. Um, and not not in a good way. And there's no communication. I think they're trying to keep low to avoid the controversy. So maybe if there wasn't such a big backlash, we would have gotten some news besides that a second battle pass is coming. Like, of course? <laughs> like, I hope so. <laughs> after the first battle pass, you're just going to stop taking money from people? No, of course uh, it's a second yeah. battle pass. Um, but So that's not really an announcement. If anything, the announcement is like, don't expect anything big. Like, it doesn't seem like they are putting anything big. Like, the way I'm reading into this, I don't think that big event that Merps is talking about is going to happen until September at the earliest. Like, I don't even think they have stuff planned for Asia. That's this isn't like pretty a pretty bad like, then. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like you're gonna lose a significant portion of your player base bad. Yeah. Um, because like I said, a lot of players who are playing this game have the expectation and have the background of coming from other MMO slash mobile slash whatever you want to categorize this as, and their expectations have already been like you know they're already disappointed right like mm-hmm. i have played diablo 2 a lot and when i came into this game my expectation is definitely not of a oh diablo 2 resurrected like it took them a long time to do ladder and I, you know i was like oh please give me ladder mm-hmm. but my expectation was always this is basically like a diablo 2 game right this is diablo 2 for here i'm just like okay this is a this is a net ease game right like yeah. This is a NetEase game. NetEase Beyond the uh, Blizzard uh, cooperatively launched game. Yep. I'm like, I, I know these types of games. I'm like, you you should have an event. Uh, like, with these games as well, a non-event is weird. Like, yeah. these always have an event to them. There's always some, like, play now for a limited time this. Play now for a limited time that. Hey, we have a big world event. Is it mm-hmm. cheesy? Yeah. Uh but is there new stuff? Yeah, there there uh, is new stuff. Always new content. There's like new content. it's always like if you're not playing right now, you're not getting the skit, right? Even Overwatch. Yep. Like when Blizzard tries to like because that's one of their way of making microtransaction money is they have to have more skins, more whatever. There's always something going on. If it's not an event, it's a launch of a new like series of loot boxes or whatever's coming back or blah or something's coming like you know next week or in two weeks. Uh, but there's always something coming or something happening. And there's just nothing. Like, I mean, okay, fine. They launched a game that will probably keep you occupied for well over 100 hours. So maybe they're just like, just freaking play the game. And like, and, uh, the the world v. world PvP and whatever, the cycle just turned. It's the first time the cycle turned. The immortals are real humans now instead of AIs. Like, things are happening. It's not like they're not happening. But the lack of a roadmap for what the next thing is... Because we're in the cycle of strife right now. I don't want to explain too much what it is, but it's a giant world PvP clan v clan kind of like event, and it's probably not going to end for two months. And it's going to be like you're building a power. It's cool to build a power and whatever, but it's a process that takes about half an hour a day for all the players, and so that's not enough to occupy everybody's game time, especially your hardcore people. Uh, not even like the grinders. I'm just talking about people who want to play the game for two, three hours a day, which should be within Blizzard's expectations. Like in making this kind of game, Blizzard should be looking at people who want to play for like half an hour a day at like the lowest, because uh, you need to be engaged. You can't just play like five minutes a day. That's not going to work for Blizzard. Um, but half an hour may be okay, but it should be upwards of like four hours a day. Because that's like a normal human being with responsibilities on a mobile game that you can squeeze into wherever, right? Waiting for your kids, like, you know, doing whatever, pooping. Like, you should be able to squeeze in four hours if you're super dedicated even. Um, So that should be the range. And right now, on an ongoing basis, in things that you actually get any kind of, like, reward for, it caps out at about two hours. For me, it caps out at three hours, but I'm really slow. 
for a normal human being, it will cap out at two hours, and that includes PvP. And clan, uh, and clan stuff, assuming you're not, like, running a clan. Like, I also have to run a clan, so, like, me and Merv spend a little more time on it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a problem. I don't know what they're going to do about it um, or when this is going to happen. But I'm going to stress this. This was always the plan. It's not like plans changed. So this is just how Blizzard planned to launch the game. I, I just, I don't know. Like, th this feels like mercenaries to me. Where you launch, there's a lot of crap, um, but while this one has a you know more testing and a more well thought out end game than Mercenaries did. But it's the same idea of like we may have planned like tiny releases. There may be a big release we plan a bunch of the way down the road. They actually already reveal to you based on the achievements what the uh, five bosses are, and we only have access to one of them. So we know what the next raid bosses are, and they're probably going to release one every month, is what I'm guessing, and that'll lead us right to the holidays. And in the holidays, they'll give us our big whatever like event but like that's going to be something like a quarter of the content other mobile games have so I, and this is meant to be a bigger than normal like kind of like mobile game experience right like it's, it's blizzard so i don't know like it's the creators of wow like why 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 is there no content um okay anyway this question from the goat this is uh that's our biggest complaint about Diablo Immortal, which I think also speaks to the general quality of the base game itself, that our biggest complaint is, why do you not have more of the game that we want to play? Um, uh, but but it is it is a real problem. Um, there's a bunch of small stuff, too. Um, like, I get really... Uh, like, I just think it's a terrible decision to not even announce when server switches are going to potentially happen. Um, to not allow people to pay for server switches if... You know, like they just want some extra money or whatever, because the way to get into the way to decide which server you get to is totally easy to miss. And then you're locked in and nothing you pay for is transferable or anything. And the second they like, you should be able to like, if you unlock a cosmetic, it should be unlocked throughout your account, not just for one particular character. Um, and, uh, you know, quality of life stuff. Like the PC client is in beta, so I won't say anything about it, um, but it is far from perfect. It's it's workable. It's, uh, you know, it's not super frustrating. I think it's a good enough product for beta um, that I don't have serious complaints about it, but it is definitely not up to par with the mobile experience, which is, like, so smooth. The mobile experience is great. Um, uh, the PvP mode, which I'm really getting into, um, and I want to I wanna get on my soapbox here. If you look at my posts on Reddit, uh recently you will just see me for the past like day two days just repeatedly posted every diablo immortal thread about how clueless everyone talking about pvp battlegrounds is because everyone's like pay to win pay to win everything's pay to win look at all these whales i can't beat the whales it's a shit pvp mode and i'm here winning 60 percent of my games uh you know in rooms with mostly whales making a difference feeling myself make a difference seeing myself make misplays knowing how to improve my game and getting very excited that like it's an 8v8 game, by the way. Like, you should not be able to decide the outcome of the match more than 6% of the time. That should be the map. So... I which, which means 53% is your highest win rate for being a good player in a normal game. I have a, I'm, I'm regularly upkeeping over 60% of a win rate. And that is because the matchmaking system is freaking great. They got that algorithm down. I love it. Because they, they match the combat ratings of each side, right? So first they get a pool of players on the same league. And then they divide the teams up. There's two sizes, eight people. So all the whales get split up evenly. And you just have to outplay your combat rating to make the impact, right? So, like, if I'm not a whale, well, if I'm playing way better than the guy that I'm opposed to, who is also not a whale because they're splitting us up like that, then we're going to get a huge advantage because the map is not a place where all the whales can be at all the times, right? It's only eight people on each side. It's a decent-sized map. I think it could be bigger uh, for more strategy. Maybe they'll come out with a second map that's more complicated, and this is the basic map, right? But it's still big enough for a lot of strategy to happen. Um, and, like, my big question to everyone complaining is, look, how does a free-to-play player get to number one in the league in last cycle? For their area and this is not just a server it's not like oh dead server it's their entire region and i am currently the number nine crusader in in my server and we're in the server with max roll like we are in like one of the top servers in the entire like uh in the entire game right now 
and I'm the number nine crusader, having played like at over sixty percent win rate, you know, having spent nowhere near whale amounts of money, and um, you know, knowing I do a lot of misplays, I have total shit APM. You guys know that. Uh, I'm just, I'm just frankly outplaying everyone, not because I'm super good at the game, but because everybody playing this game, almost everybody, sucks. So next time you hear someone complaining about Diablo Immortal PvP, just think, this is a shitty player complaining about Diablo Immortal PvP. Because they're almost all shitty players. You're just going to be really good on the odds that they're a terrible player. Alright, so I'm going to step in and complain about Diablo Immortal PvP right now. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys why I, why I think there are quite a few issues with the PvP. I'll tell you what I think Adwitsa gets right. Um, is it skill testing? Yes, definitely. I think it is skill testing. Uh, that's not really the be-all, end-all, though. Well, once again, it's like arena metas, right? Like, everyone mm-hmm. is skill testing. Is it a skill that is fun for players? It is, is it a skill that players will enjoy flexing, right? Like, you can have a game that is sort of like, who can suck on a straw the longest? And it's like... Yeah, there's there's ways to get better at that, right? There's, you know, you can increase your lung capacity and everything. But, like, do you really want to enter in that competition? I, I, I don't know. Maybe. We have some weirdos, like, in chat and who mm-hmm. listen to us. My point is just but that that competition not. is not who has the biggest wallet at all. In fact, no, having definitely. a bigger wallet doesn't really help unless you have literally the biggest wallet in your So, room. here is the thing. Um, for me, I just don't find the game mode uh, as satisfying. But uh, in addition to that... I think there are some things in PvP that could be a lot better. Number one, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before, the minimap is atrocious. And <laughs> yeah, the there needs to be... Terrible. What they also need to do is allow you to to customize the minimap a little bit more or provide more detail in the minimap because for PvP, the minimap is everything it is everything Mm -hmm. it is what you Mm -hmm. look at 90 percent of the time the only reason to not look at the mini map is once you are deep in battle like yeah you have engaged you have engaged right and that's the other thing is that if you are playing diablo uh, uh, pvp or you're watching people play diablo pvp and you think micro is like where the skill is at micro is like 10 percent of the skill at most in in diablo immortal pvp at most and my micro blows. You guys could probably imagine. You you have to hit your skill shots. I mean, it depends on your uh, your class. So I'm a demon hunter. I have to hit. Uh, okay, so some things like multi shot are really easy to hit because it's a giant mm-hmm. fan. Some things like, for example, the daring swing in which because uh, what you should do as a demon hunter, you spec daring swing to have number one three charges and number two. Uh, every time that you swing, the part that you jump over is now covered in ice that damages and slows players. And that allows you to do it offensively and defensively. So you have to hit your skill shot in jumping over them to cover it with them, but you also have to create angles and barriers. That's how you get away, right? So if you're getting away, uh, you have to choose. Do I, if I just go the shortest distance to, or, or sorry, the gain the longest distance to get away from them um they can just sidestep a little and keep on going if i go a little bit diagonal that might help me because then they will get slowed by that kind of no matter what um or what you can do is you can use it offensively as well right somebody is retreating and if they are if they have a step on you it's a little bit too late because you have to go past them right so if you see someone coming up like behind you uh, one of your allies, what you want to do is jump over them immediately, and then that fair fight becomes unfair once your ally comes. But by that time, it's already too late because you've covered them in ice and they can't like back up anymore, or that you know they've used up all their cooldowns. So you know all these skill shots do matter. But the, the big the thing that matters map. is the PvP because it tells you who is where relative to the objective and where the progress is on the objective and where people are moving which is very important so you can know where you should apply pressure the one of the problems i also see in the pvp i don't know if you see this uh the desync is annoying sometimes yes it's i mean that's never gonna get fixed (laughs) 
it's pretty important though. <laughs> like you mean you mean like the the the, the in battle desync, right? Where yeah. Like you do something and it like rewinds half a second. Yes, um, that's pretty yes. important. That, okay, in, but that's in a never mode gonna in fixed. which I I, I I that's just that's just the netcode that will never ever get fixed. That is in every single mobile PvP game. And um, I'm saying it's just never that like uh, that definitely. But, but that's takes like a away. genre thing, right? That's like you're yeah. like. Like, imagine you're playing a game back in the day, and you're like, you know what's annoying about this game? It doesn't have 240 uh, FPS. And you're just like, well, the technology doesn't exist to make this happen. So, yes, it is annoying, but you, yeah. you, 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 you just, it's, that's not a thing. So, And uh, also... I, um, I, I mean, I agree. Like, things rubber band like, by, like, 0.5 seconds, um, uh, not infrequently, depending on what skills uh, you, you enjoy using or what skills get... Actually, when skills get used on you, it doesn't rubber band as much. It's when you use the skill that the the, the, the netcode has issues, um, depending on server lag. Um, also, um, okay, what I think that they do well, uh, first of all, is, or, or, or like this aspect is is good. The fact that they balance out PvP combat rating for each team, right? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, because I think this is true. The PvP combat rating does does not take into effect the the effect of gems right like the if, effect of gems right yeah, no it takes into account it takes into account everything besides paragon no, 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 i realize no, no. it doesn't no, no, take no. into like, account like, paragon like okay if you had uh L- a, like the active a, paragon i mean no if you had yeah. a leveled up two-star gem that has the same resonance and combat rating as a seeping vial for example right uh-huh. they don't factor in the fact that seeping oh that seeping is a lot better yeah i don't know i gotta i don't think i I, I could test it i could test it i haven't tested that i thought you meant regular gems i'm like they factor in your life and damage you're talking about legendary gems i don't know i could test it very easy i could just swap one in swap the other out and see if it changes my combat rating you know like yeah because i it's the uh, it's the effect right like i don't think they take into effect and right now the effect of somebody who has like uh the phoenix gem yeah, seeping bile yeah, yeah. i mean so the, Jade, the combat score like, yeah. is a number that they boil everything down to right? yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. going to be yeah. exact yeah. Um, no, it, it, it will it, it, get it advantage for like gaming the system whether you meaningfully game the system or you just happen to game the system by what you do um and there are like yeah like uh, and, and even if they do do a combat score for like bile i'm sure they're going to underestimate its effect Right, like even if they like established a combat score for Bile's effect, I have no doubt it's going to be lower than its actual effect in the game because it's one of the best gems in PvP. Um, yep, and and that's just going to be the case because Diablo has an algorithm that assigns a number to each ability, and then they add up all your character's stuff and what it can do, and they create this combat score. There's no other way to do PvP matchmaking. Like this is the best they can do. Um, but it is obviously not a perfect system. Um, no. And it cannot be perfect. And I, but, I do think, like, regardless of whether they take into account gems or not, things like Bio and Phoenix are going to fall through the cracks in that, like, they're not going to be properly valued. Right. It, it, it's it's as if it's like, oh, um, <laughs> you have an Overwatch match, and you get a player who is, you know, will hit the same amount of shots, will will, like you know mess up the same amount of, like you know you get the player and they're both playing ana except one ana has a sleep dart and the other one doesn't like it's sort of it, it's sort of like that dynamic here and like that is allowed and that'll even out right that'll even out sometimes you get a ana with sleep dart sometimes you won't uh i just don't love that aspect of it um so i just mean you're, again, you're rolling these are things it's uh, it's like an arena deck, you right? You face decks that are face decks that are more powerful yeah. than yours. That's part of the game. Like that's what I like about the game. I like beating powerful decks. I don't if I just wanted to face. And, and here's the thing, right? Like it's asymmetric game design. They use asymmetric game design in Diablo Immortal to get around the fact that it's pay to win. Uh, it's pay to win on an individual level, so it's not really pay to win. It's like pay to improve, right? So you have these massively overpowered characters, and then you have these not overpowered characters. Now you have to put them in the same PvP game, and you have to make it fair. How the hell do you do that? You make it asymmetric, so that everyone's impact is within a certain band, right? Because if you just made them all one-on-ones, like, you're free to play player isn't going to stand a chance against like a whale that's dropping ten thousand dollars even much less a hundred thousand dollars not a chance but 
you even out the whales, you even out the free-to-play, you put them on teams, you make communication, which is really hard in this game, a thing. Like, you kind of have to communicate in this game, not by typing, but by, like, actioning. Like, by starting to, like, I make a turn earlier. I make sure I get there. I use a skill to be ahead. Why? Because I want to direct people to follow me. Because I'm a crusader, and people, like, follow crusaders. This is some subconscious thing, right? Oh, that's a tank. Maybe I follow the tank. And that gives me disproportionate impact, right? Even though I'm not on, like, voice comms, right? This is solo queue. Everything's solo queue. Like, I compare this to the Overwatch solo queue experience, and this is so much better. Your impact is larger. Uh, there are, like, you don't get to hear the salty people, and you're not at a disadvantage for not doing it because no one's on voice comms because it's all, like, whatever solo queue. And uh, on top of, like, Overwatch is a, is a 6v6, and your impact is smaller. This is an 8v8. And I'm a tank player anyway, so I'm doing the same exact, like, types of stuff. Like, if you're a tank or support player, you got to mate. You don't need to drop a single dollar on this game. PvP is going to be fair all the way up through. If you're a DPS and you want to stay a DPS, Murphs is a demon hunter. He's going to get screwed. Like, there's no way he maintains an above 50% win rate going into Legend, I don't think. Because his ability to contribute is going to be smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as the whales, whose main advantage is more damage and more life, um, as they kind of, like, get to him. Like, that's, like, uh, you, you pick your role, right? Like, if you're going to be DPS, you have to pay money to be at the higher levels. If you're going to play tank or support, you don't got to pay money. That's kind of how the game is structured right now. Um, I don't know if that's going to change, but it feels very hard to change, so I feel like this is just going to be, like, a, a thing. Like, be, be the Shane Battier, be the Dikunbe Motumbo, be the John Stockton, all right? If you want to go out there and try to be Steph Curry, have a wallet. That's the game. That doesn't mean Steph Curry's impact on the game is more than a Dikembe Motumbo or a John Stockton. Or to the extent that the other team also has a Steph Curry, right? Like, if I'm Dikembe Motumbo and you're a random seven-footer that can barely move, my team's going to have a big advantage if we both have Steph Curry, and we both have Steph Curry. Like, that's how you got to look at it. And it's asymmetric game design. And right. Diablo does it from the top down for, PvE, uh, for PvP. It's the same with the Clan v. Clan stuff, where they do so many things to neutralize pay, uh, the advantage of payers. Um, it's it, not, not 100%, obviously. Not even close to it. But um, overall, I like the design. Like, I can see the problems it's solving, and it does solve those problems. Uh, the minimap is a big deal, though. Like, for how important it is... That's a shit minimap. Um, like, I think in a mobile game, it didn't, it, like, maybe they didn't want to make it too complicated or whatever. But stuff like, there's no way to tell whether your teammates are dead or, or alive. Their icon just stays there unless they're actually in your party. And the party system, I don't know if the technology is not there. You can only be in a party with four people and you have to select them in the beginning. And the game doesn't really even prompt you to. So you kind of have to be good enough at the game, have enough experience at the game to, like, do it in the beginning. Um, and that's very huge, because once you party up, you know where your people are, because they get numbered. Otherwise, they're just blue dots. Um, so, anyway, if you're playing Diablo Immortal and you're like, PvP, I get hit by whales all the time. Just know it's because you suck and you can get better. And when you get better, you can beat uh, the teams with whales. You can even beat teams with better whales. Um, like, I do it all the time, routinely. Uh, but what you got to do, step number one that you have to do, is you have to know, at bare minimum, where 75% of the players are at all times and what their power levels are number one like if you're playing a game of basketball right are you going to dribble up the court and not know where the opponent's center is and not know where the opponent's best defensive wing player is no you'd be a terrible point guard right you would be a horrible horrible you should not be taking the ball up the court you should not be on the court but people play diablo immortal with no game sense whatsoever they're just like my opponent has eight people some of them are whales and kill people some of them are not I guess I'll find out who's who, and then I won't remember where they are, when they respawn, what cooldowns they have, or where they are. I just know that these dots are red, and so there's some opponent. And I don't know where my team is either. I just know there's four dots there, two dots there. And, you know, depending on that, I'm going to go to where I think I'm needed. Like, no. You have to know who exactly is where. You have to keep looking at the minimap, and you have to, like, be in a team with four, so you at least know where three people are, specifically at all times. Um, this is all just, like, basic stuff. And, like, nobody does it. Very few people do it. And it makes such a big difference in the game. Anyway. Anyway. My Diablo Immortal PvP defense plus our, our begging for more content. That's the question from the GOAT. If you can't tell, we're playing a lot of Diablo Immortal. Um, 
It's a good game. If you want to join us, uh, it's the Worldstone server. We have a clan. We will let you in if you complete all your shadow dailies every week and stay uh, every day and uh, stay an active player. That's like half an hour a day, and you can play on mobile. Um, our clan's getting pretty good. We're uh, we're solidly in the top nine by points now, and we've always been the top ten by uh, by actual battle scores, like battle results. So we're we're we're, we're doing quite well. Stuff is happening. Anyways, that's enough about Diablo Immortal. We are off to the coop. Until next week, this is Advicta. This is Merp. See you guys. Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week.